0: What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which serial mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if, it what if food? money grew what on trees? What if a tree? pigs could
1: fly? I
2: don't know if that would actually
1: happen. It's much easier to store even a cycle than to store a horse.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we got another spooky episode! Ooh. Two in a row! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, once again, I'm not doing a ghost noise. <laughs> I'm, like, going really weirdly close to Santa Claus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it, that's that's just kind of the corporate America taking over the, uh, trying to, trying to overshadow Halloween with Christmas stuff. I mean, I right. wanted to, I wanted to Lowe's, like early october and it was like all christmas already it's like come on guys at least at least put out a pumpkin for once
1: yeah sorry i'm part of big christmas now guys i, I apologize they, they, they paid me <laughs> off. Paid, paid off yeah <laughs> this episode was brought to you by big C- papa christmas yeah <laughs> big <laughs> christmas you mean santa claus yeah that guy <laughs> oh man
0: but yeah no we got we got a second spooky episode in a row we're, we're doubling down on this holiday while neglecting most of the other holidays in the year <laughs> Picking picking the ones that count and make good hypotheticals, I guess. Um, so what we're doing today is we are doing a Halloween movie grab bag where each of us has picked uh, a good old Halloween or spooky movie. Uh, and then do a hypothetical question based around that movie. And then answer it as best as we can with our... I don't know, armchair science skills that we've <laughs> developed over the 180 episodes of this podcast. Um, ben, do you want to get us started with uh, the movie that you picked?
1: Yeah, we decided to go uh, sort of in order of, of least to most directly Halloween-y um, with our movies. And I, the movie I chose, just because it's near and dear to my heart, is Ghostbusters, which is not particularly Halloween-y, but does have ghosts, so it counts. Um, and also just wonderful, and if you haven't seen it, you should definitely, uh, see it. Um, Ghostbusters, 1984 comedy starring, uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis. Not a lot of really, really good cast. Um, very good. Basically, it is, uh, about a group of, of ghost capturers. I don't... I don't really know how to describe what exactly Busters. the Ghostbusters. They bust Busters, ghosts. They bust. <laughs> yeah, they bust. they bust ghosts, and busting makes them feel capturers. good. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but they're sort of the whole idea was that they're like exterminators, but for ghosts. You know, they show up in their jumpsuits with their stuff, packs on their backs, and they go and catch your ghosts and get rid of them for you. Um, and there's one particular part of Ghostbusters that I want to sort of look into from a more scientific perspective i guess um which as uh sort of the climax of the movie involves um a dark god taking form in our universe and because of um i'll just say a decision made he takes the form of a marshmallow mascot uh the say marshmallow man which is well but but giant not like small that's an important part um and not it's sort the of... Stay Puff marshmallow man that you all know and love. Yes. Which by the way, okay. This is one of those things where I definitely knew, but it's always surprised me when I like confirm it. Stay Puff is not an actual marshmallow brand. That was made up for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I think I think in my brain, like, I don't know brands of marshmallows, and the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man looks enough like the Pillsbury Doughboy that I'm like, oh yeah, that's real. That's just a thing. Anyway. Um, So I wanted to see what the safe-off Marshmallow Man as in Ghostbusters was actually real. What would sort of, you know, how would that go, I guess? Um, Well, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Totally. Um, And the first thing I really had to figure out was was how big it actually is, Um, which I figured, you know, obviously in the movie it is taller than some buildings, but not all buildings. I thought I was going to have to, like find a reference building that it was next to in a shot and like count stories or something. But no, there's just an actual answer to this because um when they filmed the movie, the way they did the Stay Fuck Marshmallow Man, it's a dude in a suit. And there's a um, there's a an interview with the special effects team where they just happened to say that the suit was seventy five inches or six and a quarter feet tall. Uh, and the scale of the city that they were running around in to film it was 118th scale, which means that, canonically, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is exactly 112 and a half feet tall, um, which was a lot easier than I expected that to be, honestly. I'm surprised there's not a wiki. Like, if you just like wiki the Stay puff Marshmallow Man, it doesn't just say, like, oh, yeah, he's
0: exactly this tall because of they said so.
1: It probably does. It probably does on more than, like, the weird fan wikis. On the regular Wikipedia, it doesn't. Although I guess this article was more about, like, the, uh, the fictional mascot... I, I do like the the first line of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Who does yes have his own Wikipedia page, um, article is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, also known as Mister Stay Puft, is a fictional character character from the Ghostbusters franchise who sometimes appears as a giant lumbering and paranormal monster. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, the, just, sometimes, that's just, sometimes the thing he does. just just the one time, really, I think. But um, anyway, um, so we have a height. I did need to get in order to get like a better sense of scale here an actual mass, um, and for that I did grab a picture and do a bunch of uh you know using my my known height do a bunch of scales of different parts of his body that sounded weird. <laughs> anyway, like, were,
0: you, wait, were you were you pulling a tape measure across your own body to identify the width of the marshmallow man? No, Is so this what,
1: was this where we're at? So no, this was this was a I opened a screenshot in Paint and used the um like line drawing tool but in a way that gave me a a measurement to measure various bits of him on the picture using my known scale of 112 and a half feet tall gotcha yeah so i basically turned him into like two cylinders for legs one sphere that i said was the body and arms and then a was actually a cylinder for the head because it's pretty wide and then also he has a little jaunty sailor cap so i did a little cylinder for that too because I felt wrong to not include and i assumed it was also probably made of marshmallow um basically long story short when you actually do all the math out this is a roughly 1600 ton marshmallow man um which is pretty hefty you know it's pretty good um, yeah, not small it's not small uh if you wanted to compare it to like A bag of marshmallows um those are roughly 10 ounces so it's the equivalent of about 5.2 million um, bags of marshmallows which weirdly makes it seem bigger than when i think just 1600 tons of marshmallows (laughs) um i didn't want to figure out like what you know what is the biggest marshmallow that man has created in real life uh which i did find um it's actually not that impressive it is only two hundred and five point two five pounds. Um it doesn't look very I'm gonna send you guys I can't send you guys an image because my notes are on a different computer for reasons that I don't want to get into on this call. <laughs> just technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Yeah, I'm recording on two machines now right now, kind of. Uh anyway. Yeah, it's basically it's it's just this big, you know. Two, roughly two hundred pound marshmallow that this British school did back in twenty nineteen, in the shape of a bear's head. That this is this, this bear. that's, like the mascot for um, some charity. This the BBC's Children Need Charity. Uh, what's his name? Pudsey the Bear, which is maybe the most British name I have ever heard. Um, yeah, that's that's strange...
0: <laughs> right, right on the island there. Yeah.
1: So it's that is you know like like. Almost 16,000 times smaller than this Marshmallow Man. Um, Which makes me think the fact that we haven't made a bigger marshmallow just knowing how big of other foods that humans have made at various points. I don't think that the Marshmallow Man would be structurally uh, sound, I will say. And he might just sort of solve his own problem that way anyway. um, By collapsing on himself.
2: Maybe he has bones.
1: I... You know what, Chris? I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to think about that either. I don't want to consider that possibility. (laughs) I will also say that he does explode in the movie, and I do not see any bones. Just a lot of melted marshmallows. Of course not. They exploded. You know what? (laughs) I can't argue with that. I cannot argue with that. And if they exploded and, like, melted along with the marshmallow, they would also be white like marshmallow. So maybe there are bones in there, and we just never knew.
0: God, what a twist that would be. Like, they suck up they suck up all the marshmallow, and then there's just, just like, a giant skeleton left <laughs> over.
1: I, I really hate that idea, and I wish you hadn't brought it up. Um, how will we kill the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? They use their fancy proton packs. We obviously don't have those. Um, the most delicious answer would be flamethrowers, but those haven't been used in the military since 1978. Um <laughs> the... uh, how are we going to defeat this marshmallow man? Well, flamethrowers would work, but we haven't used those in ages. <laughs> well, I just think they're pretty hard to find. The answer is we'd probably, like, drone strike it, which isn't all that fun, but does get the job done. Um, But it does lead to kind of a problem, which is that it doesn't just go away. Um, Yeah, the bones are left behind. Yeah, the bones are left behind. <laughs> no, but for real, though, uh, and this does happen in the movie. They don't, like, go into the details on how they solve this problem, but... The entire area is then covered in marshmallow goo. You know, sixteen hundred tons of marshmallow goo. Um, that's a lot to deal with. There are some easy ways to. Well, I say easy, as easy as things can be here. Um, ways to deal with we it. You can use flamethrowers, but we haven't used those since seventy-eight. <laughs> well, no. So actually, there was a um. <laughs> an interview that someone did with multiple experts about how they would actually handle the situation in real life if it did occur. And really your options are you freeze the marshmallow so you can chip it away very easily, but that's a lot more complicated than the easier one, which is spray it down with warm water, which melts down the sugar and just all wrenches down into the sewer. Um, That kind of solves the problem, but it does lead you to another problem, which is um, you're adding like, five billion calories of sugar into the sewer system which is full of rats assuming we're in you know new york city or somewhere um and you're going to get a rat population boom that's then going to become a problem once there's no more melted marshmallow in the sewers um so i went down a different path which is hey maybe we don't actually blow him up he moves pretty slowly. we can probably trap him and he is made of marshmallow we could eat him how fast can someone eat marshmallows? He I did not alive? test this myself before you ask. I mean, we could. I mean, Are that was originally first? my plan, I guess. We could, I don't know how you actually kill a man made out of marshmallow, aside from blowing him up, and I'm trying to avoid that. So, yes, we eat him alive, <laughs> I guess. Come join us on our next Patreon episode, yep. where we make Ben eat as many marshmallows as he can in five minutes. So, I did not test this myself, but I did find the record for the most marshmallows eaten in one minute. Which apparently is twenty five. It's there's. I mean, that's that's probably quite
0: impressive. In that, I think if I tried to eat as many marshmallows I could in a minute, I would not get close to that number. But what a sad record. Yeah, sorry, sorry if the the twenty five Marshmallow Man is eating uh, is listening
1: to this podcast, consuming
0: this podcast through his ears. His name is Sandy.
1: That's the only name I have. That's the one that's on the world record website. No other, no other name happened in twenty thirteen. So it's been around for a while. Um, The video is there. It actually doesn't look that impressive, but also I know that I would die if I tried it. So uh, I'm sure it's very impressive, Sandy. Um, And so one marshmallow weighs around 7.2 grams. Um, And really what it works out to is if you, if this one guy ate full time continuously, which obviously is impossible, he would have to, you know, he would die at some point. Um, from eating too many marshmallows it would take them 15 years and 236 days to eat the entire marshmallow man which is not ideal so instead of having one person eat the entire marshmallow man i figured we would enlist some more people and i figured the best way to do this would be to get competitive eaters um i do not know how many people who consider themselves to be competitive eaters there are in the world or united states or anything I do know that major league eating in their own words ranks 50 league members on a regular basis. So I may not know how many we have, you know, possible we could conscript, but I do know that we have 50 ready to go. There are somewhere between 50 and 300 million. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere in there. So if we average that, no, um, (laughs) if we did get all of them going, uh, you know, full time and, I'm assuming that they could match this Sandy's uh, 25 marshmallows per minute. These people who, you know, are like Joey Chestnut or whatever and, you know, do this literally for a living. Um, we would get it done in, in under four months, which honestly I think is not that bad, all things considered. Um so I guess that's my answer is I would enlist Major League Eating to eat the Saypuff Marshmallow Man if he was real.
2: How are you going to That feels like a weird takeaway.
1: I thought about that a little bit. Like, he does not move fast. Like, he's not even as fast he as, doesn't. like... like. Well, I feel like he moves roughly as fast as it looks like, like Godzilla does, but he's nowhere near as big as Godzilla is. So he's actually moving pretty slow, all things considered. I feel like you could just, like follow him. him around yeah i don't know his body's made out of marshmallow it's not like he's not like you know stone or
2: anything like so just let him walk around bad. for four months follow him around and take bites out of him for four yeah months.
1: just swing in <laughs> grab a bite
0: just, swing just out melt,
1: just just melt his
0: feet to the ground
1: done that actually uh, honestly yes. you could just turn a warm hose on him and melt away his legs <laughs> the rats can have a little bit of, of marshmallow as a treat yeah <laughs> I just
0: imagine, like, the climax of, like, the movie, like, you know, they break out, the Ghostbusters break out four four warm hoses and start, like, melting them, and, like, some guy from, like, the city sewers like, No! No! Stop! The rats!
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't! The ecological consequences. Um, oh, one other thing that I actually did learn during my research when I thought I might have to go down this road, um, I was worried about, you know, how there's that whole thing where eating burnt bur- marshmallows is, like... Uh, a carcinogen, like, gives you cancer. I was worried about yeah. that with regards to our, our elite eaters. Apparently, that's not true. Oh, thank God. The whole thing with that is, like, the reason that that happens with, like, browned meats and things is related to, like, the fat and juices dripping down onto the flame when the meat is cooking. It doesn't have anything to do with, like, starchy food. It's a fatty thing. So, eat your burnt marshmallows. It's fine. you know. But not
0: your burnt steaks? Oh,
1: man. Um... I mean, you'll be fine. Who cares? Yeah, I like the
2: char on steaks. It's good. Live
1: a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is, is it living or surviving at that point?
1: Ex- exactly.
2: <laughs> Speaking of living or surviving, Chris, what did you do? So the movie that I covered was The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which I guess technically wasn't originally a movie. Um, it was based, or I guess the original is a short story by Washington Irving in 1820. Yeah. Um, and then they, like, made it into a Disney movie in 1949. It was included in, like... The, they called it The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I guess it was, like, a combination of Sleepy Hollow and some other story involving Mr. Toad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they re-released that in 1958 just and just called it The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, that was the Disney movie. And then in 1999 tim burton did another movie uh with johnny depp just called sleepy hollow um i'm gonna for the most part base my answer off of the short story and the disney movie mainly because the tim burton movie like changes a lot of things like they make the they make ichabod like a detective like a homicide detective when that's nowhere close to the story so (laughs) that
1: was kind of a weird change like i overall thought that movie was pretty decent but that was kind of a weird shift i don't know yeah
2: Um so I'm just going to go over the general idea of the story so uh just briefly. So it starts with a schoolmaster named Mcabug Crane. He arrives at Sleepy Hollow, New York. Um and he very quickly becomes popular in the town uh like especially with the ladies and stuff. So like he would do chores and stuff and then they would invite him for dinner and he made a lot of friends. And eventually he tr- he wants to he he Meets a girl named Katrina Van Tassel and he falls in love with her and He tries to win her hand Uh, But there's another guy in the town called Brom Bones Um, That's his name and he also likes Katrina Van Tassel. So they end up competing with each other for Katrina Van Tassel's hand and um, While Ichabod Crane is in Sleepy Hollow Uh, Brombones and other people in the town started telling him like spooky stories and stuff and one of them is about the Headless Horseman Um, so like the background of the Headless Horseman is that he's a ghost of a Hessian soldier who has been decapitated by an American cannonball during the American Revolutionary War um, specifically during the Battle of White Plains on October 28th 1776 I didn't know any of A headed
0: by cannonball is a pretty metal way to go.
2: It is. Um, because cannonballs are made of metal. Hey. 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 <laughs> um So he's decapitated, he doesn't have a head, but instead he holds a jack o' lantern in place of his head, slash he uses it as a weapon sometimes, I guess. Um and then he like rides around looking for his head or looking for like a head to swap with. Um, and then in the story, um, eventually Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones and all of them, they end up at a, an autumn harvest party. And as Ichabod Crane is going home from the the, uh, the party, he has to ride his horse through a bunch of woods. Um, and in the woods, he encounters the headless horseman. And he ends up fleeing through the forest and he reaches a bridge and he he needs to cross the bridge because the story says that the headless horseman cannot cross this bridge. Um, So he goes across the bridge. He successfully makes it across the bridge. But then the headless horseman throws the jack lantern head at Ichabod Crane. And then the story kind of like cuts out. And then the next scene is the next morning. And they say Ichabod is gone and missing. And the only thing that's left is a smashed pumpkin on the ground, so no one knows what happened to Ichabod. Um, it's implied that Headless Horseman is actually Brom Bones in the story. They don't never actually say it outright, but um, after like Ichabod disappears, Brom Bones actually marries Katrina Van Tassel. So it's like implied that he dressed up to get rid of Ichabod Crane. Um, now. Because we don't actually know what happened to Ichabod, and some say he died, some say he, like, survived and he just fled from Sleepy Hollow, I want to actually figure out what did happen, or, like, what possibly could have happened.
0: Ooh, a rare
2: Mm. investigative question. Yeah. (laughs) So... Who are you, Homicide Detective Ichabod Crane? (laughs) Anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Um... So the first question I had to ask was, would the Headless Horseman be able to throw the pumpkin far enough? Um, Because he can't cross the bridge, according to the story. Uh, So that means he has to throw the pumpkin the same length of the bridge. Um, Would he be strong enough? Now, technically, I guess he would be a ghost if you want to believe that he was actually a ghost. Um, But... Uh, if Even if he was a ghost, he would be a Hessian soldier, so you'd have to like follow the rules of a Hessian soldier. Or you can kind of interpret that he was Brom Bones, and would Brom Bones be able to throw the pumpkin far enough? Um,
0: Chris had a moment where he was like, do I have more data about how far ghosts can throw things, or <laughs> do I have more data about how far Hessian <laughs> soldiers can just, throw yeah. things? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, so, like I said, if we're going with the Hessian soldier thing um i didn't actually know what a Hessian soldier was so i looked it up and they are german soldiers who fought with the british during the revolutionary war so like at the time of the revolutionary war the american revolutionary war um german wasn't a unified nation yet and there were actually like hundreds of states organized under the holy roman empire um and many of these states were economically supported by their armies, so basically, uh, these Hessian soldiers were essentially like professional armies for hire. And then when war broke out, uh, people would hire these these professional armies from German states, um, and these basically like supported them economically. Um, but because they're like such professional armies, they were trained annually. They serve for life. They're very skilled fighters. They were probably in peak physical condition. Um, So I kind of just assume that they are peak physical condition. Or that the headless horseman is, I guess. Um, If you want to look at Brom Bones and assume that it was him instead, uh, in the story he is depicted as like a very fit guy. He's basically like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He's just like peak physical condition. So...
0: Ah, another competitive eater.
2: Bringing it back to the competitive eaters with his <laughs> dozens of eggs. <laughs> exactly. I don't. Know. How, how many
0: Gastons would you need to eat the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Oh, like yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just to speed it up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need two so they compete with each other.
2: Exactly. Or you could just get brown bones.
0: That's true. One, one Gaston, one brown bones, and then they can compete.
2: Yes. So, if we're saying that Man has peak physical condition, how far can a human? throw a pumpkin. Um so a pumpkin a carving pumpkin can weigh around sixteen pounds. Uh that's like before carving the pumpkin. So like just a full pumpkin. Um conveniently a standard men's shot put ball or shot are they I guess they're just called shots. I think it's called a shot, yeah. Yeah. Um a men's shot weighs sixteen pounds. So that's the same way there's a pumpkin. Um, and the world record for men's shot put is 76 feet and eight inches. So it's pretty far. Um, I'm going to say that our headless horseman can throw the pumpkin that far too. So is that far enough? We need to figure out how long the bridge is. Um, now, Sleepy Hollow is a real place in New York. Uh, the bridge, oh. yeah, The bridge doesn't actually exist anymore. Um, there is a headless horseman. Not ever it bridge. got hit by
0: that pumpkin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, well, <laughs> according to story, he threw it past the bridge, so it didn't hit the bridge. But there is a headless horseman bridge that exists. Um, it's in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, but there's a sign to clarify that it's not the original bridge. But it does span the same stream, and it's like roughly in the same spot as the story. Not exactly, but it's it's close enough. I would think I'm going to use this bridge as our representative bridge. So I couldn't actually find official numbers for how long this bridge is, but I just opened up Google Maps uh, and user measure tool in Google Maps, and it is roughly 100 feet long. So, oh. yes, that means that we cannot throw the pumpkin far enough. But that was with a 16-pound pumpkin that was uncarved. Our pumpkin is carved because it's a jack lantern head. So it's hollow. I don't know exactly how much weight that takes out of it, but I'm just going to say it roughly weighs 10 pounds because that is roughly the weight of a human head, and that seems fitting. So um, with the lighter pumpkin, that means you can throw it farther. Also, shot put is thrown from a stationary position, but the headless horseman is on a horse. So if he throws the pumpkin with a galloping velocity, uh, horses can gallop uh, up around like 25 to 30 miles per hour. So if he does that, I think he can easily throw the pumpkin across the bridge, across the 100 foot long bridge. Um, So he can, he can get the pumpkin over there without crossing the bridge. But would it actually kill Ichabod Crane? Um, I didn't do too much like in- investigative science stuff, but I did find a news article from 2011 from Pittsburgh. Apparently, a 64 year old man named Daniel Wagner got hit by a pumpkin that was thrown from a car. It hit his head. Um, and he basically just walked away with a bruised head. And they said a possible concussion. They didn't actually say if he had a concussion, um, but they did say he had no permanent brain injuries. So Um, he certainly didn't die from the pumpkin and that pumpkin was uncarved. It was just a full pumpkin. So, um, based on this, I'm going to say that even if the headless horseman was able to throw the pumpkin, it wouldn't kill Ichabod Crane. Um, Ichabod probably just got hit by the pumpkin and then ran away and got spooked. Um, and that is my my conclusion as homicide detective, there was no homicide.
0: I really enjoy the mental image of getting the galloping speed to aid the throw, but you have to go all the way up to the edge of a bridge you can't cross. <laughs> so, yeah. So does the does the horse just like hit an invisible wall?
2: <laughs> I guess I didn't think that part through. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can do it.
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple of factors going for you. And also I have, it comes up weirdly often in this show about, could you throw this thing of this weight this far? And there's no good answer. It's so complicated.
2: Yeah. Unless you have like an example that's close, but
0: yeah, there's no, like, there's not even like a, there's not even like physics calculations to do on it that are reasonable. It's It's just dumb. It's dumb. And it makes this podcast way harder. <laughs> you jerk physics math.
2: I just need to get a pumpkin and throw it across a bridge and see if I can.
0: Yeah, right. It should be so easy. It should be like ten minutes. But
2: no. <laughs> anyway, Marcus. <laughs> Wind what...
0: speeds and weight and drag. Blech.
2: Yeah. Blech. What movie did you do, Marcus?
0: Um. So I, I decided to go with uh, a, a recent hit to the box office, Hocus Pocus Two, and kind of also Hocus Pocus One. Um. It's kind of applicable to both. Uh. So Hocus Pocus uh, is a movie about a coven of three sister witches who have be- are kind of unwittingly, accidentally resurrected. Um, by an unsuspecting teen around uh, Halloween night um, after being, you know, hang centuries earlier for their, well, being witches in Salem. Um, their primary goal is to murder some children uh, and steal their life force to make themselves younger again before the sun rises. Um, this is effectively the plot for both movies. They, they kind of just ran it back. <laughs> just like <laughs> 20, 30 years later, whatever, with some callbacks. Um, but the plot is effectively the same. Um. So I I thought a l- for for a minute about doing some some resurrecting stuff and uh seeing how that might work out uh but when it ended up going a different direction so the the three witches the Sanderson sisters um when they make their appearance it is a it is a comedy uh you know light hearted Halloween movie um so when they go and go get their broomsticks uh they're no longer in you know uh, whatever uh. 16th, 17th century Salem, whatever it is. Um, so they, ha- they use what's at hand and re- use that as replacements for their broomsticks. Um, Winnie the main Witch always does use a classic broomstick, uh, but then her sisters in the first movie uh, go for a mop and a vacuum cleaner. Uh, in the second, uh, Winnie maintains her classic broomstick again, but her sisters accompany her with, uh, one of them has a Swiffer and one of them has a pair of Roombas that they use to fly around the town. Uh, so the question I decided to go with was, what if any cleaning implement could be a flying broomstick? Uh, you don't got to be a witch, just any any broom or mop or whatever uh, can be a broomstick for anybody. Um, so kind of the first thing I, I got into the taxonomy of what qualifies as a cleaning implement, um, which is a bit tricky because lots of different things clean things, but don't really fit in the spirit of it. Um... Rather than give a full definition, I did it mostly by what felt right to me uh, to count something. So to give everyone kind of a frame of reference where my head's at, here are some things that I counted and some things I didn't count. Uh, I did count anything from the movies is good, of course. Uh, Like a steamer, uh, a floor buffer. I I was going to go down with a power washer, but realized the host would still need to be connected, which kind of limits the applications of a power washer. Things I didn't count... Like a washing machine, no good. You you can't. That's not really a, a handheld cleaning tool. Um, anything that's like similar to brooms but isn't for cleaning, like gardening tools, like a rake or like a lawnmower. I waffled really hard on Zamboni because I wanted it. To, I wanted <laughs> to say the word Zamboni a bunch, but uh, instead just put it here as a didn't count. Um, and so I got to say Zamboni three times. I think so far Zamboni number four done. Um. So really any any cleaning implement that would make sense to be a broomstick. Somewhere basically between broomstick and roomba is is the range.
2: Napkin. What about a napkin?
0: <laughs> no, napkins, it's like too disposable. Okay. Also it'd be a little bit small to ride on. Um but where I ended up going with it. Um so the first thing I looked at was all right, so I have people have this nice convenient mode of flying transport, like personal transportation. Um, and you can bring, like, some stuff with you, but not, like, a huge amount. Um, it doesn't really unlock too many doors that, like, cars don't already. So, I was looking at, kind of, jobs that would be improved by having this convenient flying access. Um, and where I ended up was mail delivery. Uh, I think if you take a vacuum cleaner, uh, the, the, like, the bag part could be, like, an old school vacuum could be roughly the size, it's about roughly the size of a mail bag. So you basically fill up that vacuum cleaner with letters, uh, bonus points if you can make the blow fun- function like shoot out the right letters, but you know you could also just modify it so you can open it up and take them out. Uh, and you use this vacuum cleaner full of letters to deliver mail. Uh, I tried to find some data on how much time is spent for like the average mail carrier um, if they're constantly like, getting in and out of their truck to deliver mail to like the individual mailboxes. Um, because like the main benefit of having the... Broomstick would be that you're on a more mobile platform that could, like, get to the mailboxes easier without, like, disengaging. Um, And it turns out it really couldn't find good numbers for it just because it varies a lot based on location. Like, suburbs and cities and rural areas are set up very differently for mail delivery. Um, like suburbs, like the mailboxes are all like right on, you know, right on the street, which are easily accessed. But like in a the city, there'll be like you know a whole building worth of letters at one spot gets dropped off, and then rural could be like you know you're walking up someone's like half mile driveway. Um, but uh, I did read that mail the mail carriers they're actually required to have their vehicle completely turned off whenever they exit it, even if it's just like a couple steps to a mailbox. Like they can't leave it idling. Um, not for like. Any, like the the reason is that they have really clunky mail vehicles. Like the the mail vehicles that they use, these trucks are not the best of trucks in general, uh and they actually have a tendency to vibrate themselves back into gear and run off. <laughs> Amazing. So like you can actually you, like it's like a, a like fireable offense to leave your truck like idling at all. um And there's actually a bunch of videos of just mail trucks just like, you know, literally just like, going off on their own after being parked for like a second. <laughs> Um, so, uh, for a lot of routes, what they do like in suburban areas and, and like city-ish areas is they'll just park somewhere local and then do like a section of walking. But it can be something of like the order of like 10 miles a day of walking or something too. Like they, they walk a lot.
2: They can't just get uh, new trucks.
0: No, that's too expensive. Um, that's no good. Um, uh, well they wouldn't need their trucks now anyway with the, with the, with the vacuum broom. So Without having some more numbers, it's, it's tricky to get much deeper into it on efficiency side. Um, but I just love the idea of a mailman flying on a magic vacuum uh, cleaner, blowing out letters. Um, so I kind of moved on from there. Um, and so ditching the mail concept a little bit. Uh, I was trying to brainstorm with some of the quirkier cleaning implements. Like I mentioned, like the power washer before I want to do something with. Um, but I think Hocus Pocus 2 already nailed the best cleaning implement uh, with the Roomba. Uh, so, in the movie, the, the sister Mary, she flies around by standing on two of the Roombas, like, balancing on there, which is great. And I like that. But they missed, like, I think they were, they missed the mark by just a little bit because there's something that's even better than that. And that's cats. Uh, I, I cannot express my disappointment when I purchased a Roomba for myself and then found out that my cat is not one of those cats who happens to, like, to sit on it and ride it around while it's in <laughs> operation. Um. And it, it's just really sad. I mean, I was also kind of disappointed about the, the, the story of like, you know, the magic of like, oh, this, I'll never have to vacuum again because I have this Roomba also doesn't really quite work out for some reason, but that's besides the point. Um, plus, given that cats are like witch adjacent, I think that a cat could fly with the magic Roomba. You get, if a cat ha- goes on a, roo- on, a, on a Roomba, the cat can fly because they are, they are a bit witchy in and of themselves. Um, but of course, as I mentioned, only certain cats will even try. So I had to kind of estimate what percentage of cats would use a Roomba. Uh, Very scientifically, the way I did this is I compared the number of Google results for cat video against cat on a Roomba. So (laughs) there are 4.7 billion search results on Google for just cat video. And 3.52 million results for cat on a Roomba. So this implies scientifically data-driven analysis uh, that one in every 1,335 cats is inclined to ride on a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what does that? How does that? Im- how does that impact things? What is, it, what is this going to look like on a larger scale? Um, so, I ended up actually looking at wild uh, house cats in America, um, which two reasons I'll get to in a second. But there are 70 million wild cats uh in America, which is kind of a crazy number. That's like one cat, like one like there's one wild cat for every 5 people in America. It's it's a lot of them. Um and those wild house and uh house cats as a whole, they kill 1.3 to 4 billion billion with a b wild birds each year. Um so that number in fairness counts both wild and non-wild cats like your outdoor cat that will go out and kill birds is counting that statistic. But it also the data shows that the majority, 70% of those uh, bird murders are by the wild house cats. So let's say 2 billion birds are killed each year by wild house cats. If you arm those cats with Roombas, is that going to cause problems? Um, so splitting that 2 billion uh bird murders across 70 million wildcats uh, and across a year, uh, it means that each cat is killing a bird once about every 13 days. Um, so once every two weeks, the wildcat uh, manages to get a bird. They get other stuff like the, they. it's like 2 billion birds and then like 11 to 20 billion like rodents and other things that they hunt. So really, we could actually combine Ben and I could fix your mouse problem. We could, <laughs> I, we, we just need Roombas. <laughs> Um, so then the question is, does a Roomba actually help a cat at all, uh, in getting birds? And I think really it does, because cats are, you know, they're quote-unquote stalk and ambush predators. Um, so normally a cat will wait for a bird to land in some kind of vulnerable area and then either sneak up onto it or already be in wait, um, and then it just is able to pounce on it before the bird has a chance to get, uh, off the ground. Until now. So now... It really opens up both like a lot more ambush possibilities and also chase capabilities. Like the flying Roomba was pretty fast in uh, in the movies. Like it's it's hitting like car speeds. Like they're going like probably probably twenty to thirty was was my eyeball of how fast they're going, which is not too far off what what these birds hit. Um, so they could like chase them in the air, and then also they could like hover over and like pounce down on them from their flying Roombas. Um, so. With all that, again, very scientifically, I've estimated that a wild cat now, instead of once every 13 days, they'll be able to get a bird every other day. So putting all those numbers together, 70 million cats, one in every 1,300 of them will have access to a Roomba. That's 52,434 uh, flying cats, wild flying cats. Um, and then upping their uh, efficiency in hunting, it's an additional 9 million successful birds hunted each year. Uh, which actually is kind of a small number, relatively speaking, to, the, to, you know, to how many birds there are in the 2 billion birds a year. So, in the spirit of this podcast, I'm giving every wildcat a Roomba and run, rerunning the numbers. Uh, so, with 70 million flying cats, uh, the predation on birds increases to 12.7 billion birds per year. Um, so, how does that affect the ecosystem? Um, To put it into a bit of perspective, the current estimated bird population in the U.S. is 7.2 billion birds. So, in conclusion, if you give them Roombas, cats will make birds extinct inside of eight months. Hmm. That's pretty quick, all things considered. Also, like, even without modifying that number, of the 7 billion birds, wild cats kill 2 billion of them? That's crazy. Like, I know... Like, yes, that's how the, like, if you look at a food chain, like, cat eat bird, cat eat mouse, like, you know, it's it's right there in, you know, in like second grade <laughs> education. But I, I kind of felt that, like, was the minority of how birds die. But no, they get freaking cats, man. There's a lot of them and they, they get them.
2: So mice would probably be better off. They're going for the, the birds instead.
0: Yeah, I guess there would be a reduction in, 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 in mouse hunting if, they, if, they're going, if they're able to get all these birds. Those birds will not be prepared. <laughs> I cannot imagine a bird dealing with prey from above too often. Uh, and there you have it. Um, with uh, that destruction of the ecosystem and the, our, our competitive eating <laughs> endeavors, <laughs> uh, I think it's time to move on to our would-you-rather question of the episode. Chris, are you ready for a would you rather question? I am ready. Would you rather go trick or treating with a werewolf or a zombie?
2: Ooh. Werewolf mm. or a zombie? Um So trick or treating starts kind of around like 6ish, right? I'm trying to think about D- Yeah, like dusky, like dusky. So, is the transformation of the werewolf going to happen during the trick-or-treating? Or is it just going to be a werewolf? I think, yeah. I, th- I think, like, it-
0: it'll be something like, you don't check sunset when sunset is, and you're-, you're out trick-or-treating with the werewolf.
2: Do you know ahead of time that this is a werewolf, that this is going to happen?
1: Yeah, let's, let's say yes. Yes, let's because otherwise yes. the question was, would you rather trick-or-treat with a zombie or just your friend, who you don't know that much about, actually?
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, hmm, I feel like the, well, so are the werewolf slash zombie going to be, like, aggressive in attacking other people? Yeah, it's kind of in their nature. Okay. But they have to be with you for the trick-or-treating. I feel like a zombie is easier to restrain.
0: <laughs> yeah, do we want to, do we want to, do we want to, like... Disneyfy these this werewolf and zombies so they're not just like trying to murder you in which case it's do you want to fight a werewolf or a zombie
1: that's a that's probably a good idea yeah okay but i feel like there needs to be some danger
2: yeah otherwise you're just trick-or-treating yeah. like normal <laughs> i mean well, like
1: otherwise the answer is you take the werewolf because the zombie's gonna be slower yeah so what's the what's the what's the line we ride here to i mean like the points i'd like like
0: you know, I'm hoping we can get, wave off the bigger survival questions to hit points like zombie probably walks slower than the the werewolf to exactly. slow down your route.
2: But is that the only factor? Like, what other factors are there to consider?
0: That's what I was just trying. To... Um, oh, oh, here, here's one. Here's one. You go up. You go up with your. You go up with your werewolf friend to the their, to a house, and they're like, "Oh, hi, d- hi, you two. Here's a chocolate bar for each of you." And you go, "Oh, you you can't eat that." I'll have to take both those.
2: <laughs> I feel like the, but the zombie is not going to have an urge to eat any candy. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Cause they just want to eat brains. So you get all the zombies candy. Are there yeah, any,
1: okay. Are there any candies? You're slower,
0: but you get, you, you're, you're, they're slower, but you get all of the zombies. You get candy double the, the candy
2: the at each house.
1: Are there any candies that look like brains? that might confuse them. Um, not that many.
2: Yeah, really. you think?
1: I'm, I'm trying to think about like, like a Snickers bar kind of has that like
2: t- brain Me- like texture. Me- yeah, those circus peanuts maybe.
1: <laughs> Do people give
2: those out? That's that might be brain.
1: Who knows? What even are those? <laughs> um, well, I mean, maybe that's
0: maybe that's a little bit of danger is that you cannot you cannot satiate the zombie in any way with candy. The the werewolf non chocolate candies you could give to the werewolf to kind of be like, hey, you good, bud. <laughs> Here's some treats.
1: Just chowing on laffy taffy and smarties.
2: And that's how you prevent them from attacking. Plus, I
0: feel you. like I feel like some houses in the neighborhood might have like dog treats out for like people that's true with their dogs. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember ever specifically seeing it, but I could like. I feel like I had a dog. I might do that.
1: I love the idea. They'll put out like like a bowl of water for dogs to refresh themselves with, and your werewolf friend just like hops down on their hands and knees and like goes at it. It's like, uh. uh, finally, to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because
2: up until then, people are just gonna assume it's the kid dressed up as a werewolf,
1: <laughs> right?
2: But then they'll reveal or a song. dog or a dog <laughs> or a yeah. very a very well trained large dog. and mean looking dog. Also, I think the the, the uh, zombie is probably gonna smell pretty bad. That is true. That's a really good point. You can bathe the werewolf. You can't
1: bait well. I guess technically you can bathe the zombie. You might just like lose some of it in the process. <laughs> yeah. Like, and plus, the,
0: you, you do have the time of normalness in the beginning. Like, half your trick or treat route is going to be with a person with the werewolf. One, it's going to get hectic. It's going to be hectic. Like, the zombie is just like a slow burn. Like, you're going to get the double candy payout, but you're going to slow down your routes. So you're going to you're going to increase your candy by a bit. Once, the, once you get to nighttime with the world, maybe, maybe you, like, pick up the pace. Like, you have the normal, and then you pick up the pace, and you get all the chocolates.
2: Would you try to hide the transformation? Would you, like, go into the forest or something and have him transform?
0: Um, on Halloween night, I, I mean, the villains in all these Halloween movies never bother on Halloween night. And people are like, whoa, cool costume, man. <laughs> and then it's fine. Yeah, but if
2: they see the transformation... Uh, Kind of
0: hard yeah, to hide. but like even then, you think someone like honestly, if I saw someone transform into werewolf on Halloween night, I'd be like, "Damn, they put a lot of effort to Halloween this year." <laughs> okay, I would not
1: think that. That's crazy. <laughs> Do you make the werewolf put on a costume before they transform? You have to, right? Oh yeah, or else they don't. Get yeah, candy. yeah, yeah. What's what costume? <laughs> like. Can you do like I mean, anything? The, they're a person. They well, no, no, can no, wear whatever like, costume they want. Like, they could be the, you know. I feel like what what's your what's your best like in case you lose track of time and they start to transform people around? Do you do like the like bed sheet with holes cut in it ghost costume? Sort of like have some oh, like coverage like, a full, like, like
0: just just hide them
1: like give them the full coverage. Maybe put them like ghost. a sumo suit, you know, like the like the the, the blow-up sumo suits that could work. Oh, the ones the ones that like the ones where it's like uh
0: writing like when you're like fake writing something like it's like from the waist down and inflatable yes
1: exactly just like that yeah
0: oh no that would be a problem for if they're four like that they they would oh. have a tough time getting out of mm, that one yeah that's true unless that's the plan all along <laughs> you just <laughs> you get them trapped in there and then they transform to go try go four-legged they won't be able to navigate out of that costume
1: you just ditch them I, what i'm seeing is you know when you put like like you know, there's like, like, like a cone on a dog and I try to like back out of it. I'm just seeing that Mr. Werewolf like shuffling out of like a little like cowboy on a, you know, horse costume. <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay, now I think I'm team werewolf just for that image.
2: <laughs> this is now a selling point. And then the zombie would just be not dressed up at all.
1: Yeah, the zombie would just be, you put him in like a lab coat or something and just tear that up a little bit. You're good. Yeah, I feel like I like I'm I'm leaning Team Werewolf just because I think that
0: the the, the day with the zombie is just going to be like continuously slow burn,
1: suckish, awkward. I mean, it right, just like,
2: be normal, normal trick or treating, just a little slower.
1: But you can't like talk to a zombie. You can talk to a werewolf for half the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also like yeah, they're, like they're just going to be like they're just not going to be good company, and then it's going to be like you say trick or treat, and the zombie's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> how many? How, how many? like half-assed like haha do you need to get from people like opening the door to be like man this is just this is just not what i want today to be
2: well how much so do you think you get more candy with the zombie like if you only cared about candy
0: um it's it's tough because you get all the candy but at a slow like you know you have to- less total candy but you get all of it versus you know if you just say hey i get all the chocolate from the from the werewolf but we hit more houses like i think it probably nets out pretty close a lot a high percentage of halloween treats are chocolate based
1: i will yeah. say that the chocolate is like what i personally care more about in this situation you also sometimes sometimes all people who are like oh that's a great costume here take an extra one and i think you're going to get more of those from the werewolf post transformation than you want from the zombie Course, assuming you don't ditch way. your, assuming you don't ditch your werewolf companion. Well, yeah, also that.
2: It's gonna be a really weird costume if they can't get out of that inflatable uh, costume. <laughs> oh, a werewolf riding a horse! I don't think I've seen that one before.
1: <laughs> a werewolf stuck in a horse costume. What? <laughs> what if? Okay, here's a question. <laughs> it just popped into my head. What if for the zombie? No, this is bad. Never mind. I was gonna say you could do one of those like two-person horse costumes, but you're just walking like really awkwardly slowly, and you still <laughs> they still smell. Yeah, they're still it's just, gonna It's smell. just like you smell. So yeah, that one's a bad idea. Never mind.
2: Yeah, I was leaning towards zombie before, but I think you've talked me into to werewolf.
1: Yeah, I feel pretty comfortably werewolf.
0: I too concur. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go for a perfect trifecta for the werewolf here. If you want to go trick-or-treating with a werewolf, uh, you can go to our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals, and become a patron. Uh, And that will in no way help you go trick-or-treating with a werewolf, but I had to plug it anyway. How are you
2: going to connect this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But what you actually get um, for just a singular dollar or more, if you'd like to help support the show even more than uh, that singular dollar per month, uh, is you get access to all our bonus content that we create each month exclusively for our patrons, our good hypothetical Pals. Um, So you can go and do that Uh, if you want to support the show in other ways – Send us some questions. Uh, We could definitely use more questions. We're 182 episodes in. And boy, are our brains tired. Um, Or boy, do I think we've tried. We've noodled around like our patterns of hypothetical questions, like the ones that we would create, except for Ben, who hasn't made one up one yet.
1: I made one. Um, It finally (laughs) happened. Remember? I don't remember what it was, but I did.
0: (laughs) We we need you, the listener, to pick up on Ben's slack uh, and, and shoot us some questions. Best way to do that. Um, AbsurdHypotheticals at gmail.com. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can just throw that right in the comments section. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, of course, uh, leave a review. Uh, we'd love to see them. They help the show grow. They help people find the show. It does lots of all the... All the it does all the good backend internet things for it. Um, so that is another way that you can help. Um, but once you've done all those you are welcome to join us for next episode where we answer the following question. What if everyone lived on islands?